Recent data released by rights group Amnesty International suggests that many correctional service facilities are packed to the rafters in Nigeria. It says Kaduna Prison, which originally had the capacity for only 473 inmates, has managed to squeeze in about 1,480 prisoners, while Enugu Maximum Security Prison, which could only take 638 prisoners, is now overflowing with 2,077 prisoners. The Port Harcourt Maximum Security Prison, designed to accommodate only 804 inmates, now has 4,576 inmates. And that's not all. Kirikiri Prison in Lagos was built for only 500 prisoners, but now plays host to 1,601 prisoners. With these overwhelming numbers, how possible is it to practice social distancing and other safety measures needed to prevent the spread of the COVID-19 pandemic? Hello and welcome to NOW, a podcast which examines the impact of COVID-19 on all aspects of our lives. I am Juliet Obata. In this episode, Executive Director and Founder of Prisoners Rehabilitation and Welfare Action, Dr. Uju Agomo, has a tip or two on how to avoid prison congestion. Every minor offender, every petty offender, should not really be kept in custody. But the Deputy Controller and Public Relations Officer of the Nigerian Correctional Service, Chooks Njoku, tells us how prepared they are for COVID-19 emergencies. The UNICEF, the UNODC, are also training some people on how to handle emergencies in terms of COVID-19 and or any other disease or any other spread that may come. So there are constant training and medical teams are also undergoing different training and different instructions. Television host and actor Sandra Aze says she has nothing to worry about during this pandemic. My plan is to constantly develop myself such that whatever I don't see tomorrow, so I don't really know how to plan for tomorrow because I don't know tomorrow. But I can invest in myself such that wherever I land tomorrow, I'll be so valuable and so prepared that it's easy for me to adapt to it. One of those categorized as most vulnerable during this coronavirus pandemic are those locked up in overcrowded correctional service facilities and kept under unhygienic conditions. Two months ago, inmates of the Kaduna Correctional Center were thrown into confusion when the death of a fellow prisoner was reported. This triggered panic among other inmates about the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Since the incident occurred, human rights groups have intensified calls for the government to take immediate actions to prevent the spread of COVID-19 in these correctional and detention centers. Responding to these calls, President Mohamed Buhari asked that inmates that have been awaiting trial for six years or more be released to the correctional facilities across the states. Even before the pandemic, the government had made efforts to fix the lapses in the prison service by signing a bill in 2019, which had been on the floor of the Senate for 11 years. The bill renames the prison service to the correctional service and also replaces prison time with measures like community service for certain minor offenses. Dr. Uju Agomo is the executive director and founder of Prisoners Rehabilitation and Welfare Action, a non-governmental organization working on issues relating to security and correctional justice. She tells Bumi Yekini she has visited about 200 correctional facilities in more than 49 countries 
to see how other countries are running their correctional service facilities. We have a situation whereby uh, we know that some of the correctional facilities the currently is, are being held in those facilities actually go far beyond the official capacity supposed to be. So you would see a facility that were built for about 800 persons locking sometimes I had um, 4,000, 3,000 points. So we have some of that, especially in many of the cosmopolitan um, regions, in many of the urban areas. As a matter of fact, there are about uh, 30 correctional facilities that are very much um, overcrowded. I mean, so yes, um, structure is an issue. High number of persons who are waiting trial. As a matter of fact, where, why we have a big problem is that it's not just that we have um, in some of the facilities we have overcrowded. The major problem is because many of the people are waiting trial. I mean, uh, I wouldn't try here very broadly used. So because many of the persons in our facilities are not being convicted, it makes it difficult to transfer them from overcrowded facilities to facilities elsewhere that are not that much overcrowded. Because there are indeed some facilities in the country that are not locking up to their capacities that are not that many. And the Controller General has the power to make those transfers. However, every minor offender, every petty offender should not really be kept in custody. So those are some of the challenges that you have. You wrote a couple of open letters so from states and um, National Assembly. Why do you think this was um, necessary? I, I think uh, we saw a situation, something we haven't seen before. We had everyone knew that you know, uh, the issue around uh, COVID-19. It, it, it's a situation that everybody must take very seriously. So the letters that we wrote was to more like us as advisory or and then bring to limelight some of the issues with that. This, um, our, our leaders in, in making decisions, for example. Um, we know that one of the key things that have been discussed in terms of a preventive mechanism uh, in relation to this COVID-19 is issue of uh, social distancing or what some people have said, you know, really making sure that you have proper physical space, reduction of overcrowd uh, you know, crowded areas and all that. And given the statistics I mentioned and the scenario I've created, told you, which is uh, where we have a high number of persons clustered in custodial facilities, uh, we know that that is really a terrible uh, situation should we be hit by virus inside the custodial facilities. So these letters, we are really trying to let them know, one, that it is important, just like has been recommended you know, everywhere, that it is important to decongest correctional facilities. It's important to remove everyone who ought not to be in those facilities. And we gave those, some of those criteria, which is also aligning ourselves with already known criteria for some similar things, the congestion exercises, so that they know that this needs to happen and happen fast. The other reason for that we did that, especially for the legislatures, was to bring their mind in terms of when they start enacting laws to deal with COVID-19. Pandemic. So it was important that they, in, in this world, that they should look at sanctions that are non-custodial. You have a, worse, a very terrible situation. You don't compound your problems. For example, you see that one of the requests that were made from the letter from the Chief Justice of the Federation to 
the chief judges were talking about the cases that do not have existing files. You know, there are files when you don't have the records of those people that you should release them. And I think this is something that is really a serious issue that we really need. Because both in terms of um, Rule 6 of the United Nations Standard Minimum Rules for the Treatment of Prisoners, which is known as the Mandela Rule, and Section 13 of the Nigerian Correctional Service Act, it's not in line with good practice not to have proper record. And usually, no one can be as into custody without a valid warrant, for example. Now, when you have a situation where files are being looked for, that's a problem. So, in this day and age of technology, people should be having records stored, even storing them in cloud and safer means of uh, keeping data. You know, and the correctional service have already started this process. But it's important to really, really scale this up and make sure that we have better record of everything and of everyone. What is the provision of the law as regards to the safety of prisoners during the pandemic or a global crisis? That was the question I put to Adeto Kubo Mumuni, a lawyer and executive director of Social Economic Rights and Accountability Project, SERAP, an advocacy and human rights organization. The law setting up the prison system and the law by which the prisoners are to be guided, recognize the rights of prisoners. Even a prisoner that is yet to be executed, who has been sentenced to death, still has certain rights until the death sentence is carried out. So whether COVID-19 exists or not, the last thing is for the prisoner to be kept healthy and good while he's serving his prison, his prison time. How can we hold the government um, accountable at this time and in situations like this? I continue to say that the only reason for the government to deny us full exercise of our rights, whether as prisoners or as for people of good will not to talk when rights are violated, including the rights of prisoners. So we have to continue to let the government of Nigeria know that in Nigeria and even in a democracy, there are laws which Nigeria must comply with. There are laws which the government must comply with. There are laws regulating the life of prisoners while in detention. These laws must be taken serious and focused so that prisoners don't exist as if they want their imprisonment, they are forgotten. So we have to continue to credit upon the government that these are the minimum standards that is required of any decent human society. And that is why in some jurisdictions, prisons are no, are no longer called prisons. They are called correction centers. Nigeria government changed the names of Nigeria prisons to correctional service centers. That is only in name. We have to continue to see that a, a normal correctional center, what a normal correctional center should be, and it should, it, should, it should start from the change of means to the concrete things that must exist in prison related to the rights of prisoners. Over 3,000 prisoners have been released. Is that enough yes. for now? No, you see, these are the things that government must do from time to time. As a stop at the Administration of Criminal Justice Act that was passed in 2015, gives certain CJs or chief magistrates the right to to visit prison on, on a regular basis and see that those that are not supposed
to be in prison and discharged from prison. That is in Nigeria law that I know has not changed. So it is now for those that have given that have given the power to now according to the dictate of those laws. Three thousand prisoners released from prison is a welcome development. But I say that this cannot be enough based on the situation that we now face in Nigeria. Because if the laws are actually properly enforced, a lot of people should be out of prison, whether based on health grounds or on some other compassionate grounds. Deputy Controller of Correction Service and spokesman for Nigerian Correctional Service, Chris Njoko, tells Bumi Yekini about measures put in place by the service to ensure that inmates are not exposed to the COVID-19 infection. We have um, a very proactive medical team in Nigeria Correctional Service because we, we deal with human beings. We are not dealing with animals or tools or equipment. So they are welfare, they are roads, capacity building, and everything that concerns human dignity and integrity. So before the first inmate case was recorded in Nigeria, precisely 2nd of March, he called a stakeholders meeting, all the controllers of state, general coordinators, and gave them a charge with the medical team. And we are about, there was an uh, establishment of um, rapid response team in all the state commands. It was very easy to implement the COVID-19 protocols and procedures in all our custodian centers in the situation. Has there been any confirmed case of the virus in any of the correctional facilities? We have not recorded any single case of COVID-19 pandemic in, in the custodian centers, both staff and inmates. We have about 244 custodian centers in the situation. So there was a comprehensive check, monitoring, and the supervision to make sure that all the protocols, hygiene, in terms of uh, infrared check, in terms of um, hand washing, in terms of um, other hygienical um, enshrined by the NCDC, the World Health Organization and other relevant organizations uh, that we are receiving instructions from. In that sense, uh, again, um, the, to the Minister of Interior and other stakeholders, there was suspension of visits. But that is one area that is very key to the transportation of this um, disease. So because um, they, they must have relatives, they have brothers and sisters, parents and relatives, they might be, they, they, they do visit at least two times a week. So to give them that psychological stability in life. So because of that, we beckon on them that everybody is, um, is sacrificing one thing or the other in this pandemic period. Everybody, both those in the, behind the bars and those outside the bars, we all sacrifice something to keep alive. So for their life and the life of others in the, and the country in general, they have to sacrifice it for now. And the president, in his own wisdom, also gave charge that um, the, through the, um, the presidential committee on, on, on the condition of um, consular center also moved into action. So, so far, we have released um, 3,751 inmates cut across convicts and uh, awaiting trial. To enhance the critical distancing 
in the correction in the computer centers. And again, we have isolation centers or isolation walls or cells, as we call it, in all the computer centers. So that if there's anybody that presents any likelihood of um, malaria, sneezing, constant coughing, we have to let that immediately instantly to that um, isolation center. Or we have fought against the spread of uh, all the, 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 the COVID 19 in our product center. Okay, was PPEs, protective gears, also provided for the inmates as yes. well? Many state um, governors and stakeholders have provided some P uh, PPE to inmates. There are um, washing points in all the cells, there are infrared checks, constant infrared checks, and uh, we have other things given to them, the first mask and other PPE given to them for protection. You mentioned earlier that you've released over 3,000 inmates. Should we expect more in weeks to come? Yes, it's a continuous exercise. Like we said in our press release, the governor of Kogi State, Yaya Bele, was on 15 months. And uh, in other places also, it's a continuous exercise. So like, uh, even yesterday, there are other people that are, are pardoned. So the, the president has given them charge that this exercise should be continuous to enhance social support distance. Let's talk about um, workers in these correctional service centers. Have they been trained to give services to these um, inmates once there is an emergency? Yes, there are constant training. Our medical teams are also undergoing different training and, uh, and uh, different instructions concerning this COVID-19. Okay, the Nigerian Correctional Service was at a time known as the Nigerian Prison Service. What informed this yes. change? Before, the law only covered custodian services, that is imprisonment. Other aspects of our services, we are not covered by law. And we didn't have the power to execute it comprehensively. And there's no budgetary allocation because there will be no budgetary allocation to anything that is not covered by law. Now, let me give you one or two instances. Now, we have two broad services or measures in one service. The custodian, which is imprisonment, will have different prisons awaiting trial and uh, convict. Now we have non-custodial measures. Non-custodial measures is seriously enshrined in this, this new act. One, not everybody that commits crime goes to the custodial center in terms of custody. We have probation services now. We have uh, parole. We have community services. You find out that people that were convicted for disobeying these lockdown rules, we are giving uh, uh, you know, going to street to, to street the street and markets. That is our job. And you see our men, correctional officers, supervising them. So every judge and every magistrate will not convict just somebody totally chicken. You take him to the prisons. It's not fashionable at all. It's not fashionable at this time. So what we do now is that they are convicted to community services. So it will help in decongesting our custodian centers. What we are experiencing now is that we have um, inmates well above our normal capacity because these measures are not in place. Now, because of these measures, the controllers in the state, the contact center, may reject uh, uh, an inmate from the courts. If the custodian center is full, he will notify, the controller will notify the, the judge, the attorney general, and other stakeholders that this custodian center is nearing its capacity. And the measures must be taken within three months 
to decongest that particular facility. Or the consultant center is empowered by law, section 12, subsection 2, and, uh, and, and, and paragraph B, to reject any inmates. We have other wonderful sections in the new act. So it gave us a broader uh, application of uh, penitentiary duties. Unlike before, we only, people come from the court, we keep them, we do minor training, release them, they go. But now, even the aftercare is being covered by law. So it's a very wonderful um, uh, leap. It's a very wonderful thing. It's a very significant change in the history of Nigeria. A lot of rights activists have complained about the deplorable states of correctional service centers in the country, such as overcrowded environment, lack of adequate facilities and proper care for these inmates. What's your reaction to this? Some of the things we hear on radios and television and media are not true. We can't talk of poor medical care. We are, you have drugs, constant supply of drugs to our consultants. And that's why you have medical doctors, uh, consultants, where you have nurses and men. I don't think... You will discover that in the 70s or 80s, people, inmates die. But you hardly hear inmates dying in, the, in custody. Are you are you saying? Are you saying? It's, it's, it's not so common now, unless people with the terminal illness. Are you? With terminal illness, we are released by this presidential pattern. From music chat shows to field reports, and then to serious talk shows, prolific television host and actor Sandra Eze has been in the entertainment industry since she was 18 years old. In a chat with Abdul Okwechime, she talks about what she has been doing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, quite frankly, um, I work in the media, so um, lockdown hasn't really been lockdown for me because um, media and health personnel and security uh, people and retail shops, they're still working. So um, I haven't really been on lockdown, <laughs> but I mean, I've been enjoying free roads. How about your in Hollywood industry? Has it affected any of those? Oh, yes, um, absolutely. The film industry has received a huge hit from um, the corona pandemic because acting, as we know, it, is a contact job and it doesn't take one person, it's more than 20 people. Like, and um, the crew is like over 20, and of course, it's a contact job. It's a breeding ground, if I want to put it like that, if um, the industry was to operate under this pandemic. So it was just the wisest thing to shut down. And it's affecting us because actors are not working. So we're, we're having to um, depend on our previous savings to sustain us through this period. What uh, lessons have you learned this period? First and foremost, I learned that Life is really about the basics. Right now, nobody's thinking about clothes. Nobody's thinking about travel since this uh, pandemic started. So you realize that at the end of the day, that every other thing we want is just extra. It's just a want. The major need is survival, is food, shelter, clothing. And that's it. And then the people that you love, like family, life is really about basics. And it also taught me about um, budgeting. <laughs> like you have a budget and you stick to it because you're like, you know that you're not making money at the moment. Like you're not making money as before. So you have to find a way to 
respect your savings and make it stretch it as far as possible. So yes, I learned how to stick to my budget, and also I learned to uh, spend a lot more time to go like being locked up indoors. Um, even though most of the time I wasn't locked up indoors because I had to work in, I had to go to work uh, as a media personality, but it wasn't every day, obviously. So the days that I wasn't going to work, I would stay indoors, spend time with God, analyze my progress. Also, it was like an avenue for me to bond with other friends because. The outcome, it meant that I had more time to respond to messages. And I think generally, all things happen for a reason. And it's sad, really sad, that people are losing their lives. But we also need to understand that the fatality rate is really, really low. So instead of thinking of everything that could go wrong, think of every way that you could take advantage of the situation. Right, so in the midst of every crisis, there is an opportunity. All this you have described now have been termed as as the new normal. This new normal is it here to stay or is just temporary, and we are going to go back to our real normal? Things are going to change, and of course, the huge one that everybody knows is obviously going to be the new norm is Zoom meetings. I think Zoom app is here to stay. People are starting to realize that all these meetings, like I, I drive through traffic for three hours to attend a meeting of 20 minutes and drive out, like it's not necessary. Yes, we're going to see a lot more um, Zoom meetings and I think people are also going to be more health conscious. To our listeners and your fans out there, give them a word. I'm a huge believer in hard work, diligence and excellence. Excellence is so loud that you can't go unnoticed. So, and always remember that your biggest investment is yourself. The values you've attached to yourself is every other thing is taken away from you. The investment you've made in your mind and your character remains with you forever. And at the end of the day, the real currency is your integrity and your relationship with people. That's it on this episode of Now. I am Juliet Obata.